It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time. Time for silver and black today. To the ground game. Touchdown Las Vegas. We're breaking down the latest Raider news from on and off the field. And bringing you conversations with newsmakers and record breakers. So hold on, Raider Nation. It's time to get get it it on. Here's your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moulton. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is Thursday. It is time for yet another edition of the enthralling Silver and Black Today podcast, an Odyssey original podcast covering nothing but the Las Vegas Raiders. Thanks for being with us, everybody. Uh, I am Scott Cobranson, as always, joined by my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten. He is the national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. He's also the Raiders columnist at sportsnot.com. You can also follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. You can follow me at Gully. Happy Christmas week. Merry Christmas coming up. This will be the last time we talk to you before Christmas. Of course, the Raiders playing on Christmas Eve and our families would all disown us. Yes, radio people do work on the holidays, but we are not in radio. We are in the world of podcasting and I have kids. And so guess what? And Mo's got rainbow cake to eat as well as what do you what do you do on Christmas, Mo? You guys do um, do you eat on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? Like what's the bigger day for you guys? I would say Christmas Eve night. The night of Christmas yeah. Eve is the biggest day. Unfortunately, I'm going to be working on Christmas Eve. Um, Got to cover the lead because the NFL decided that, you know, these sports people <laughs> don't have families. So why not have Christmas Eve games instead of on Christmas Day? Uh, but usually that's the big night where someone, I want to say, usually we rotate it, but a different person will cook a big meal. Everyone will go to that person's place, and we all just feast on everything. But we always, always, as you mentioned, we always have the chocolate rainbow cake. I posted a picture of it on Twitter. Yeah. I've shown people. It, it, it is it is a molten special that's been passed down from generation to generation. I know different families make it, but there's a special way that my family likes to make it. And the recipe will be passed down to me once Ooh. I start a family. So once nice. that happens, you will know. Mo Moten is making a rainbow cake. That's when you know that I have a family. <laughs> Now, now we know that you love the rainbow cake, but and, and you're gonna get the recipe you just mentioned. But can you already make it though? I think I can already make it because okay. I've actually since I was five years old, I would sit and watch my grandmother oh. make the cake, and of course, lick the pan after she's done with the batter. So, <laughs> of course, I, I've I've basically had a front row seat, so I've, I already know how to do it. But I'm not in charge of making the cake for the entire family until I have a family of my own. That's how we do it. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Great, great tradition. Uh, and I'm jealous. Uh, we have other stuff here, but I would love the rainbow cake. I, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, when you get the recipe, you could, you could share it. Uh, and I will, I will give full 100% credit to grandma Moten for that. I will not, uh, I will not uh, begrudge her at all for that. Okay. So here, so here's what we're going to get into now. Of course, we got to start off the show. Um, yesterday we released a, a short snippet of an interview I did uh, with Phil Villapiano, of course, Raiders great linebacker Phil Villapiano, with the unfortunate news that Franco Harris died suddenly at 72 years old yesterday on Wednesday, just days 
before the Steelers were set to retire his number and to celebrate the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, or as Raider fans call it, the Immaculate Deception. So if you haven't had a chance to lead it, it's only about four and a half minutes, uh, but go ahead and listen to that. Uh, that was uh, released yesterday here on the podcast feed, so you could do that. But Mo, I wanted to start there with it because number one, the, the interview with Phil was great because that was the first time I interviewed him back in 2018. And he talked about how every December 23rd, Franco Harris would call him just after 4 p.m. Eastern and say, hey, what are you doing? <laughs> right. And it was it, it's such a, a beautiful and, and, and having having lost my one of my best friends from childhood just a couple of years ago, um, you know, that 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 camaraderie you develop with somebody. And in this case, they were they were adversaries and they are forever linked by this play and this play when both men are gone and all involved are gone, it will live on in the annals of NFL history and be bantied about uh, Raider fans and Pittsburgh fans will argue for it for centuries, right? Over this play and to hear them talk about and to hear how they grew so close. And we were going to have Phil on the show this week to actually talk about the anniversary. And unfortunately this happened. So we couldn't make that happen. It's just a crazy coincidence with that. Um, but, but just sad news, 72 years old these days, very young. Uh, and it seems like it was unexpected. We don't know. And obviously the, 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 um, privacy, of the family is first and foremost, but, but these two guys linked and Mo Franco Harris, just a great player and went out to Oakland the last year was inducted into the black hole hall of fame, went to the tailgates, mixed it up with Raider fans, had fun, just a gracious guy who I think understood first and foremost, that he was blessed to be able to play the game and play it for so long and successfully, uh, and then appreciated the fans in Raider Nation as well. Well, this is why we say always give people their flowers while they can still smell them and are alive. But from the interview that you did with him, I thought it was funny that I think it was Phil said that <laughs> Harris called his uh, mom. His, his mom. mom had, <laughs> yes, and his mom had to find him so that he could talk to him on that, on that special day. But it's funny how, you know, how fans of opposing fan bases, they go after each other on Twitter and it's all in good spirit, but Harris being involved with Raider fans and, and just kind of having fun with them shows that even though you can wear a different color Jersey, you can still appreciate a player, even though he's a Steeler or whatever team he plays for. And to have that link in history, I'm sure Raider fans remember it not fondly, but just a, just a good guy and just to have him be part of that and be part of the whole, celebration not celebration but the anniversary and reminding people you know what happened it, it being a fun-spirited guy a lot of people on twitter you know shouting him out saying you know he he was like a godfather to me I, Najee harris had a picture harris, i believe yeah. with him uh jerome bettis of course uh, charlie batch about. yes a lot of steelers out of there yeah he had a lot of respect of people inside that organization and outside have been well deserved too yeah, and I think that's the thing too, is as as we start to see these guys that some of us grew up with, you know, for those of us that are over 40, 45 especially, um, we remember those guys and 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 watch them play. And so it just gets to be that way. But also the the fact that the the history of the game is so rich, right? And this is an example, Franco Harris and 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 obviously Phil Villapiano and that that whole interaction that they had and how it it got them closer together and how they became friends over it is really remarkable because we saw also over the weekend um, this this viral video of the Patriots fan being berated 
by a crazy woman, a Raider fan. Sorry, she she. I know it's not representative of all Raider fans, but just going nuts on this young man who showed just an amazing amount of restraint. I want to give him credit for that. But you see that, and you you look at you know we we all get passionate about things we love, including our sports teams, and nobody does that more than Raider Nation, right? Uh, but but this idea that you can't like or get along with or find some camaraderie with even people uh, on teams that you don't like, uh, these two guys showed you how it's done. And I think modern-day fans can be passionate, hate your Chiefs, hate your Broncos and all that stuff. That doesn't mean you have to hate everybody who likes those teams. And I think there's a big lesson there, Mo. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, our our uh, friend of the show, um, Lucille, who Lucille. I believe yeah. she had a picture of she took a picture with the with the Chiefs fan who's like a looks like a big rat, <laughs> and it was a fun, right? It was a, it was a fun spirited photo. Yeah, and it was just kind of sad to see that people were like, "Why are you even taking a picture with that? You know, with that Chiefs, yeah. um, you know, mascot, or whatever." And it was just like, "Come on, guys! It's it's one thing to hate a team, but to hate." people is is a different story but to yeah. your point i want to point out that most raider fans are not like that woman that was in the stadium no. the patriots fan or the people who commented on lucille's photo most raider fans are, are fun spirited you've watched i know raider fans are going to cringe when i say this but if you watch a lot of raider home games there are a lot of fans of the opposing team in the stadium mm-hmm. and for the most part it's pretty peaceful and fun spirited it, it is and that and that's what i said immediately when this was going around was hey look this is not indicative of Raider Nation, yeah. and actually, I, I I messaged the guys uh, from our sister podcast in New England, the Six Rings and Football Things guys, because they went out and they made a funny video, which I got I'll share tomorrow. I forgot to share it, um, where they went around to all the tailgates talking to Raider fans, and and it was good natured, you know, uh, um, um, back and forth between people, uh, never mean spirited, but 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 definitely making fun of the Tuck Rule and all that jazz, and that was great. <laughs> and I told them too, because they because I, I said, look, this video, you guys know you were there. This is not how most Raider fans are. Yeah, they're going to talk trash to you, but it's all going to be fun. They'll buy you a beer afterwards, right? So, so that was important too. And I know that um, it's 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 one of those deals where like sometimes people, and I, I I guess it's the state of the world too, Mo. People take things so seriously, um, and and they get overly invested emotionally in almost everything. And if whether it's about being a writer, it's a winning a football game, or whatnot. Um, we know that most of Raider Nation, like our good friend Murph and the work he did for charity, for the Blitnikoff Foundation, I mean, this is, this is what Raider fans do. They donate money. They do all kinds of things. So, um, you know, in, in memory of Franco Harris, I want to make sure that we remember that because uh, that's, that's how fans act. And I think that's how Raider fans, by, by and large, mostly act. Um, and there's always going to be bad apples. It doesn't matter what fan base it is. Quick, but that quick was thing, good. too. Yeah. Quick thing, too. Before I started covering the league and the Raiders. I actually covered the Steelers for a couple of years. Mm. I believe it was 2013 to 2014 before people really knew who I was. And I will say that from my perspective, being that I was able to cross over, I think there's a mutual respect between Raider fans and Steeler fans. I don't see yeah. a lot of, oh, I hate the Steelers. And usually the Steelers and Raiders, I mean, they're both story franchises, both proud franchises with a lot of history, rich history. So I think there is a mutual respect there that they may not root for each other's teams, but they know like, okay, that's another another well-respected organization that means, I mean, they do 
relatively well in their in their history, and they have a, a long story history as as the Raiders do. So yeah, I mean, you look that. you look at what I consider the golden age of the NFL. Yeah. I mean, I guess we might be in another one now, but you look at it back then, and Steelers had four Super Bowls, the Raiders had three championships, and of course mm-hmm. they played each other in these games, including 50 years ago this weekend. <laughs> with the immaculate reception. So, so yeah, I think you're right there. I think that's it. There's, there's other fans out there that seem to uh, want to antagonize Raider fans more. I don't see that from the Steeler fan base. Um, I'm sure somebody uh, on the show will tell us that we're wrong, but nonetheless, uh, it, it's, it's good natured. And, and I just think that uh, seeing Phil's uh, daughter, Andrea, who's always uh, helped for us getting in touch with Phil and seeing Phil, seeing them post the stuff uh, with them. They spent a lot of time together with families and all that kind of stuff. And so our condolences go out to uh, Franco Harris's family, his wife, his son, uh, and everyone uh, close to him, including the Villapianos. Just a, a tough, tough loss there. Uh, but of course, these teams are going to go at it uh, on Saturday in what are going to be frigid, frigid temperatures, Mo, negative four. You and I live out here. Uh, I know it's going to be wind chill here in Ohio is going to be negative 20. Not as bad up north in Pittsburgh, about four hours north of me, but still going to be really cold. And anytime you have a team from the West Coast, number one, now a team from the West Coast that plays in a dome going out east, this is going to be the conversation between now and Saturday. Absolutely. I remember there was a time where the biggest narrative about the Raiders going to a cold weather stadium or a cold weather destination is can Derek Carr perform in cold weather? Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's not talked about as much this time around. Maybe as we get closer to the game, we'll hear more about it. But I remember there was a time I was like, Derek Carr, if the temperature's under, I don't know, 30, I'm just throwing a number, 35 degrees, you know, he, you know, his production <laughs> drops, you know, and, it, right. and that was a big deal. So, at least I could say, even though the Raiders are going east, it's at it's a night game, so it's not like they have to go play a one p.m. Eastern True. time zone game. Yeah. So being that it's late at night, it's it kind of matches if they were playing on the West Coast at around four or five o'clock. So at least there's that. But the, as you said, they do have to deal with the blustering cold. Yeah. Now, but they got to get the game over quick so they can get home and get to bed before Santa comes. Right. So, (laughs) you know, there's that pressure. But no, the cold weather, I mean, it's a big deal. And the Derek Carr thing that was always in regards to really Kansas City late in the season. Right. It was Kansas City, Denver late in the season, uh, especially in Arrowhead where Derek Carr was having trouble getting wins. Um, And we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk more about Derek Carr too. more reports about Derek Carr's future floating out there last week it was uh to sean reed at the athletic and vinnie bonsignor at the rj this week our friend hondo carpenter at si and then the folks over at pff talking about possible veteran quarterback trades so when uh, mo and i come back from the break we're going to talk about that yes yes it's going to be another car wars segment uh, or at least part of a segment. We're not going to devote a whole segment to it, but we'll talk about it a little bit. We'll also get into the game. Starting the third segment, we'll have our game preview from our producer and correspondent, David Stepani, and then Mo and I will give you our predictions. And the moment Mo waits for, he has it on his calendar all year. All year, he just counts the, the old calendar with the red X's for each day until yep. he can hear me read, "'Twas the Night Before Raider Nation Christmas.'" Yes, this is my third year hearing it, so it will I'm be. And for it. and and if you haven't heard it before, welcome. If you have heard it before, I switch some things around. I don't switch the whole thing around. The first couple of years, I did switch the whole thing around, and that just got to be difficult because it's. Yeah, I try to keep it true to the "Twas the Night Before Christmas," so we'll see there. But that's what's coming up here 
on our show uh, as we head into the Christmas weekend. Um, don't go anywhere. Make sure you do us a favor too. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Just go search it, subscribe, and then put on the auto download for us. That way, every time we push a new show, like we did yesterday with a special interview segment uh, about Franco Harris, you're going to get that. You don't even have to deal with it. You don't have to go look for it. It's just you turn your phone on and boom, it's there. Go do that for us as well. If you're watching us on YouTube, hit subscription and then hit the notifications bell. Both of them are important. That way you get notified every time we have a new video. All right, Mo and I will be right back here on Silver and Black today. Don't go anywhere. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. Merry Christmas, everybody. It is time for another segment of Silver and Black today. He, right over there, is Mo Moten. I am Scott Colbranson. This is Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. We are here with you talking about the Raiders. Raiders coming up on Christmas Eve, playing in Pittsburgh against the Pittsburgh Steelers in what is, of course, every game now is a win-out scenario for the Raiders. They have to win all of them to have any chance and uh, we will go through the playoff scenarios next week if they win this week. Well, I'm not even doing it this week. I know a lot of people are starting to do it. And I'm like, yes, there's a chance, but don't even think about it. If Santa's nice and brings you the a win and, and you're able to think about playoffs next year, then we'll talk about it. Um, but let's dive back into the Derek Carr stuff we had talked about. Number one was the temperature, and we'll get to that in a second. But overall, a couple more reports, Mo, and I want to get your reaction to these. We had early in the week, um, uh, PFF, Pro Football Focus, had a story entitled Realistic Trade Value and Landing Spots for Veteran Quarterbacks. Now, again, realistic means there's no indication this is going to happen, but these are possibilities based on current scenarios with teams around Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers, and Derek Carr, and some more. Those three guys are named, Mo, I think primarily because, look, Lamar Jackson's been unable to come to an agreement with the Ravens. We know that going back to last offseason. He's also hurt right now. Uh, and so his future in Baltimore seems to be maybe a little bit in flux. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, we've been following that all year long. We know what's happening there. Not, not any certainty there whatsoever. And then, of course, Derek Carr, which we talk about all the time on this show. So with these guys, um, they went through this. And, and in essence, uh, what they said was, look, the way his contract is structured and the possibility that Derek Carr could be traded uh, because he does have the no trade clause. Um, he's got three years left on a contract, which is $116 million uh, and $3 dead cap for, for the Raiders of $5.625 million. And what they did, Mo, is they said, hey, if there's a trade, their, their number one trade partner that they identified, completely guessing here, of course, folks, 
uh, is the Buccaneers. Because the consensus is Tom Brady's probably going to be done there. And so uh, he's saying, or they're saying that the Buccaneers, in this scenario, send a 2023 first and a third for Derek Carr. Now, let's start there, Mo, because you and I talked about this a couple shows ago. If Derek Carr were to be traded, were to be, and that's a big if, um, then we talked about maybe teams would want to give future compensation or the Raiders might want to get future, meaning 24 picks, because you could probably get higher picks. I, I think they're off base here thinking that the Buccaneers are going to give the Raiders a first round and a third for Derek Carr. Am I wrong on that? Or do you think with where he's at right now and where the Buccaneers are at in their situation that they might be able to pull a first round draft pick for Derek Carr? I actually think that's possible. And I'll tell you why, because if Tom Brady is, in fact, done with the Buccaneers, he moves on, what's the Buccaneers' concession plan? Because they're probably, in my opinion, the Buccaneers are going to make the playoffs because they play in such a bad Bad. division. (laughs) So they're not going to have a top 10, top 12, top 15 pick. So they're they're not going to turn to Blaine Gabbard. I mean, Kyle Trask. I mean, is he they don't have they don't have a plan, a backup plan after mm. Brady leaves and they won't be able to draft the guy high. Now they signed a bunch of guys to contract, so they can't splurge on a bridge quarterback either. Uh, now their car salary would play into that if they acquire him, but they're going to have to rework some things. It's not an easy pickup if the Buccaneers have to move on from Tom Brady. So I can see them actually doing that because there are some people out there and you may feel this way that their car is not going to fetch a first round pick. I think he will. I don't think he'll I don't think he'll get I don't think he'll get a first round pick from a team that is already at the top of the order, like like I said, Houston Texans or the Carolina Panthers. I don't think he would get that level of first round pick, but a team that as the Buccaneers are gonna be probably, a team that's outside the top fifteen picking on the back end of the first round, I think a team like that would prefer to take Derek Carr with their first round pick than draft the quarterback that late in the first round and throw a dart. At a, at a prospect who's not a blue chipper, but maybe turn into something in a year or two. The Buck, remember, the Buccaneers have Mike Evans, Chris Godwin. They they yeah. got weapons over there. They have a roster that can win now. Why would they want to start with a rookie quarterback in twenty twenty three versus a veteran that they can plug in right away and start winning football games? Yeah, it's it's a good point, and I think that that again, so much of this this speculation they have, and this is this time of the year as the season winds down, we see this from outlets, right, Mo? Which is, hey, there there are guys going to move, and and there are there is uncertainty, even with a player like Lamar Jackson, uh, a former MVP, uh, and with Derek Carr, with all the talk and the chatter around that situation, and primarily, remember. Before people get too upset, especially those of you who who really, really, really like Derek Carr. Um, the reason they're doing this is because of the way his contract is structured. That out they have in that contract is, is to me, what brings this all up. And then, of course, the way the Raiders have underperformed this year uh, makes some people believe that the Raiders, I don't think that they're going to do as much as people think they are, are going to rebuild. And if they're going to rebuild, then maybe they would be willing to dump a veteran quarterback uh, and the money associated with that, which we've talked ad nauseum here. So that's number one. Number two was uh, Hondo Carpenter's report over at Raider Maven Sports Illustrated's website, uh, which was also linked uh, by our friends over at Raiders Beat. Um, Hondo went into a deep dive around Derek Carr's future. And and the interesting thing about this was that he's talking about it, number one, because we're, we're still seeing this conversation. Uh, but also, 
he said uh, he had an anonymous source, okay, okay, with the organization who said, this is what this source said to Hondo Carpenter, uh, according to his report, said, quote, Derek has been different this year. His teammates have noticed it as well. He has given maximum effort, but he seems to be easily frustrated. Um, I don't know what bothers him. I love him, but it seems obvious that he is not his old self. I love him. I want him here, and I'm not rooting for a change, this person said. Uh, I can only imagine the constant barrage of negativity gets effing old. And that was a source uh, to Hondo Carpenter. So not surprising, Mo, that he's frustrated, but it sounds like the frustrations and his personality. And I, I, I've i said this, right? When I was going and advocating towards the middle of the season before the three-game winning streak that I thought they should maybe move on from one another, I said it from a mutual standpoint. And this is part of the reason, which was like Derek Carr has got to be just tired of this. A new coach comes in, you get the excitement, you got a new playbook to learn, and you're like, okay, I'm committed, let's do this, we're going to turn this thing around, and then each time it's like thump, 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 right? And now it's doing it again. And so I can see why he might be different to his teammates, because he's, it's 10 years, dude, 10 years of constant dysfunction. Who the hell would want to stay in it? Who the hell wouldn't be frustrated? Who the hell wouldn't have their personality change? Can you imagine working at a job for about a decade? You're doing your best. People are criticizing you every day, telling you you should be let go of from your job or sent to another place instead of where you work at. And in the meanwhile, you're learning something new every two to three years because there's changeover at your workplace. Now, I'm not absolving Derek Carr and saying that, you know, you know, the drop off in his play is all because of the changes. But you got to understand that anyone who's positioned, if they feel threatened by their, you know, in their position, they're going to be agitated. And if you watch Derek Carr during these games, after every completion, I, I, the, the TV actually, the broadcast actually shows his reaction when there's an mm -hmm. incompletion, when there's an interception, when there's a turnover, a turnover on downs, a botch play. Derek Carr looks frustrated after every completion almost. Now I know that's an exaggeration, but they literally show his face and he's and he Derek Carr doesn't curse, but Derek Carr is like super, super frustrated after every misplay. And we saw it kind of bubble over when he had that press conference a few weeks ago, right? Remember mm -hmm. he teared up at the press conference and Raiders went on that run. So you're kind of seeing it bubble to the surface with him anyway. We're all seeing it publicly. So I understand it. You're criticized week in, week out. But in fairness, that's what comes with the job of being a quarterback in the National True. Football League. When you're a quarterback and you're the most important player on your football team, you're going to get the criticism when your team is not performing well, whether it's warranted or not in certain situations. So a lot of people want to say, well, leave Derek Carr alone. And, and I understand that as a fan. You don't want your guy to be criticized over and over again for the same things because you've heard it all before. But that... That's the news cycle. And and coming up through learning, news writing, and stuff like that, when people talk about you constantly, consistently, it means you're important. It means you're yeah, someone of true. interest. So if you're going to try to spin it into a, not a positive, but not so much into a negative, you look at it as Derek Carr has all these trade articles and columns that come out are because Derek Carr has a lot of value. And I said this on Twitter that – a lot of Raider fans may not value Derek Carr because of the wins are not there, the red yeah. zone woes, as we talked about in this show. But 
he has value across the league. You know, more than a, more than a handful of teams would leap up to get a Derek Carr on their roster sure. and get them going in the right direction because they absolutely need a, a capable, not even just capable, but a top 12, 13, 14 quarterback. Yeah, he's not Mitch Trubisky, right? No. Which he'll see not. in Pittsburgh. And so that that's the thing. He does have value, whether you like him as the quarterback or not. I get that. But at the same time, these some of these folks also who who do that will will, will criticize and 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 talk about firing Josh McDaniels and he hasn't even finished a year, which I just find is ironic because it's like you have a guy on year nine and you get excuses there, but the coach is just in year one and he doesn't have all the players yet and you want to give – and I'm not making excuses for Josh McDaniels. I'm just saying fan hypocrisy tends to to kind of depend where you're at on the scale of what player and who you're talking about, whether it's the coach, the player, on defense, offense, whatever. Very, very funny in my, in my book. But, yeah, I, I think that that situation and, and the fact that he has value, you're going to have it. And because quarterbacks are the key position in the NFL on the team, it doesn't matter who you are. You have to have a good quarterback. You and I talked about it last show about the Jets. If the Jets had a real quarterback right now, where would mm-hmm. they be? Three wins better? Probably. I think so. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it just goes to show you that, yes, the, gra- the grass isn't always greener on the, uh, on the other side. Now, I'm not saying the Raiders don't make a move or that they shouldn't if the right thing comes along because you got to always improve. Um, but clearly that's where at. But still, we're seeing stories go back and forth about that. And before we move off, Derek Carr, we'll re- revisit the cold weather scenario, Mo. Uh, you look now, I look back at it, and according to um, uh, uh, CBS Sports, Derek Carr is 0-6 in games where the temperature was 37 degrees or less at kickoff. That includes the loss in Cincinnati in the playoffs in January of this year. So he's he's not won a game in weather under 37, and the wind chill will be minus four, uh, and the temperature itself will be about seven or eight degrees in Pittsburgh on Christmas Eve. So uh, Derek Carr's got an opportunity. Look, I always look at these stats and I say, okay, 0-6. That doesn't fare well for the Raiders. But the great thing about stats like this too, Mo, is you always have the opportunity to break that. Exactly, and... I try not to get too far into stats like that circumstantial, <laughs> circumstantial like that, yeah. Because you know there's there are so many factors and context missing from that. Who do they play? What type of team did Derek Carr have around him? And that. So I just kind of deal with the now, right? Mm-hmm. And right now, I feel like the Raiders have enough help. Even if Derek Carr doesn't play well in the cold, let's say he doesn't play well. The Raiders still have enough help around him where they can win that football game, primarily because they have the league-leading rusher on on their roster right now. So if you have the league-leading rusher on your roster and going up against a team that recently gave up a ton of yards, then that didn't give up a lot of yards against the Panthers last week. But before that, Steelers were kind of inconsistent with their run game. If you have that advantage, then, as you said, you can kind of change the narrative on those uh, circumstantial statistics on Derek Carr being 0-6 temperature and freezing temps. Absolutely. All right, we're going to take our next break. When we come back, we're going to hear a uh, game preview from our producer and correspondent, David Stepanian. After that, Mo and I will get a little bit into this game. What we see is advantages, disadvantages for the Raider. We already talked about the weather. That's a disadvantage, number one. Uh, and uh, where we might see this thing ending up. And then we'll end the show in the Christmas spirit, eating rainbow cake, having a little bit of... What do you drink, Mo? Do you drink eggnog? Are you an eggnog guy? No, you can't like eggnog. I can't stand yeah, eggnog. I'm I, definitely I, that's not an what eggnog I guy. Nobody oh. in my house is either. 
<laughs> so so we, we we drink coffee or we drink uh we have a little a hot toddy or something like that. That's what I like because I like bourbon, so I can and any whiskey I'm good with. So that's what I tend to take a little bit of on Christmas Eve, get to sleep really nice and fast. So it's all good. But um when we come back, we're gonna stay in the Christmas spirit. We'll recap what we think of this game and give you a preview as well. This is Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. We'll be back right after this message. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, Raider Nation. It is Thursdays. This is the Thursday edition of Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. Thanks for joining us. If you don't already subscribe to the show, do Mo and I a favor. Give us the Christmas gift that keeps on giving, which, of course, is subscribing to the show, turning on auto-download. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, thanks for being in there and being on the live chat. Make sure you also subscribe. Hit the notifications bell there as well. Mo is a national writer covering the NFL for Bleacher Report. He also is the Raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Mo Moten. That's M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. And I am at L-V Gully on Twitter. So get on there, interact with us. If you're a hater, I don't care. Um, and we'll have fun with you anyway, because we I, love everybody. Quick interjection. Um, <laughs> since you bring up Twitter, please, yeah. if you're on Twitter, I don't know if anyone has seen this, but they now have sardine flavored candy canes. I don't know if you saw that. Oh, they have stop. brisket flavored candy canes. Brisket? Please. Yes. Brisket and sardine flavored candy canes are out now. Dude. If you are sharing that on Twitter, please unfollow me or don't follow me or just block me because I will block you if I have to because that is an atrocity. Those well, are Christmas atrocities. Th that is, that is, and it just goes to show you, for those of you who do have uh, a faith of some sort, uh, I happen to be a Catholic guy, it's the, it's the coming of the apocalypse. To have <laughs> candy canes that are flavored like this, I saw another crazy one too, but you don't like mint though, so you don't like candy canes anyway, right? I actually like the uh, rainbow candy canes. Oh yeah, they're the not, sweet, they're not, the sweet ones. Right? Yeah, they're not mint. So my I, kids I eat those. those. Yeah, okay. So those I, are I much, know which ones. Much better. Much and those better. are acceptable because they're sweet. Okay, yes. we're not we're not eating meat flavored candy. <laughs> meat meat flavored candy. Now I love bacon. Like for example, I think bacon is great almost on everything, but not good mm -hmm. in candy. Don't give me a bacon candy cane. Don't mm. give me bacon cake. Like they have bacon donuts. You ever seen the bacon, the maple with the I've bacon? Now I know mm. maple goes with bacon, but not on a donut. What is no. what is wrong with people, dude? This is terrible. Oh. I the, I I logged up a Twitter after I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know. It's 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 craziness out there. Uh, all right. So we're back. We're talking Raiders football. We're going to do real quick, uh, for those of you listening to us on the audio podcast, we're going to cut away and we're going to bring you our game preview, Raiders at the Steelers on Christmas Eve. Here's our producer, correspondent, David Stepanian. Coming off a win for the ages against New England just over 20 years after the Tuck game, the Raiders head to Pittsburgh on the 50th anniversary of another win for the ages, albeit with the Raiders on the losing end of that one. Yes, it's been 50 years since one of the most memorable plays in NFL history, the Immaculate Reception, and all eyes will be on Heinz Field as the Silver and Black take on the Steelers in a holiday primetime matchup. Coach Josh McDaniels knows how consistency will be key to pulling off an upset. You know, we, we need to be able to go out and call a play in the huddle and, 
you know, break the huddle and get to the line of scrimmage and, you know, snap the ball without penalty before the, the play clock's down. So, um, no, there's just, you know, we can't we can't do that, you know, not 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 in consistently play good offense, you know. So it just isn't something that's like, you know, it's happening every week. But, you know, it, you know, for me, if it happened in week one, I would be pissed. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not something where it, you need, you know, 12 games to fix it. You know, the reality is, is it's a fundamental aspect of playing offense, defense or special teams is playing without committing penalties. And so, you know, we've talked a lot about. You know, it's hard to win until you stop from losing, and penalties obviously are a way for you to hurt yourself and your team. So, um, you know, we don't coach them. You know, we're going to continue to coach the right techniques. Um, we harp on that. You guys obviously saw us running laps and all that kind of stuff in training camp. So, um, you know, that doesn't stop. So um, we just got to go back to, you know, the fundamental part of, you know, executing the snap and not committing a foul prior to it. And, um, there's no shortcut to it, though. Rookie first-round QB Kenny Pickett is expected to return this week after being injured against Baltimore two weeks ago. Josh Jacobs continues to lead the league in rushing with nearly 1,500 yards, and Derek Carr tied a season high with three TDs against the Pats. And he'll be the first to tell you it's not how you start, but how you finish. We're just every day, honestly, we're trying to do the right thing. Um, we're trying to get all the right guys and everyone on the same page to do the right thing every day. Because when we do, when, when everybody does the right thing, the results are good, you know. And I'm, I'm not talking just a game, I'm talking a play, you know. Um, you know, to do the right thing, but it sounds, it's familiar, you know. We talked about the same thing 12 months ago, you know. Um, we have to keep playing and, um, you know, is it guaranteed? No. I mean, you know, a lot of things got to go our way. We got to work really hard and win this week. And so, it starts with my preparation tonight, you know, on the Steelers and, you know, moving on. You know, I get to enjoy it with my teammates, and then as soon as I'm out of here, it's over. And so, um, you know, I think as long as we keep that focus um, and stay stay true to what we believe in as a team and who we are, and I mean Josh's message, we, we believe in it and we do it, um, he'll give us the keys to win the next game, and hopefully we can keep it going. The Raiders are 5-2 all-time against Mike Tomlin with their last loss against the Steel Curtain coming in 2015. They beat the Steelers at Heinz Field just last year. The Steelers are a two-point home favorite with kickoff slated for 5 o'clock Pacific on Christmas Eve and temperatures expected to hit below 10 degrees. Can the Silver and Black unwrap an early Christmas gift? The loser of this game will likely be eliminated from playoff contention. For Silver and Black today, I'm David Stepanian. All right, welcome back. Thank you, David, for that uh, preview of the game. Mo, this game, uh, you know, not exactly two teams um, that are seriously fighting for the playoffs, but they're alive for the playoffs, so they all think they have a chance at the playoffs. So the TV networks are building it up as like some big game for the But really, it's just a fun Christmas Eve game between two old AFC rivals, but you look at this, we already talked about the weather, the disadvantage. To me, that's the biggest disadvantage um, outside the control of the Raiders uh, that, that they're going to face there in Pittsburgh. Uh, but what else are you seeing from this Pittsburgh Steelers team and how they've been able to play uh, uh, despite lots of deficiencies on offense for the Steelers? But the Steelers, under Mike Tomlin, Mo, always play pretty good football, even when they're deficient in talent. I will say that the statistics for the Steelers defense may be a little out of whack, uh, mm. out of skew, because at the beginning of the year, they they didn't have T.J. Watt for a large chunk of the first yeah. half of the season. 
now that he's back, they have a pretty good dynamic duo on the edge with him and Highsmith. I believe it's Alex Highsmith. Alex, yeah. And of course, Cameron Hayward in the middle. So they have guys who can get to the quarterback. And as we know, I don't know if Alex Bars is going to be playing Saturday. We don't know if Dylan Parma is going to be playing. But what happened in the second half of that Patriots game we talked about in the last show? They were able to get inside on that Raiders offensive line and, and put pressure on Derek Carr. So I would look out specifically for that. T.J. Watt, Highsmith, and Hayward getting pressure on Carr because if they're able to do that, it could be a long day. It could be a long night for the, for the Raiders, even on the ground, because those guys can penetrate and get Jacobs in the backfield. Well, and Mo, we look at that, and, and you're absolutely right as far as that offensive line goes. Uh, and it looks like Jermaine Illuminor will be back, right, too. It looks like he's been healthy on, pra- on, the, on the practice injury list. So it looks like they'll get him back. And Alex, as valuable as gold bars, uh, to you, um, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. If they can get back to full strength there, that'll be a huge win for the Raiders just going into the game. But knowing what the Steelers do well, you pointed it out, that could be rough for them as well. What about on that back end? If Derek Carr does have time to throw it, what do the Steelers look like in the defensive backfield with Devontae Adams, with Hunter Renfro, with Darren Waller now, those guys going into their second game back from IR? Uh, could they have a field day if they can get the ball out of the pocket? Absolutely think so. I wrote about this on the column that went up today. Uh, we placed our bets on that Steeler Raider game. And I mentioned that having a full house, I know people say, oh, it's a little too late. Having that full house of Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, Devontae, as you just talked about, even Foster Moreau and Mac Hollins, uh, having those guys on the field all together, I think helps both well for the Raiders offense when they can get down the field. As we know, Derek Carr is one of the best play action quarterbacks in the league. A lot of people don't talk about this. The film guys do. But he's one of the best play-action quarterbacks in the league. Once you get that run game going, or at least force the Steelers to respect the run game, then you can take shots down the field. Now, he may not, Derek Carr may not throw 25 times in the cold, but if you can get 10 good passes deep downfield, I think that'll be enough to shake up that Steelers secondary, which is shaky because the, the strength of the Steelers off defense is in the front seven. On the back end, they've been very shaky. And that's why when T.J. Watt wasn't playing, they were giving up a lot of points and a lot of the yards through the airs because their cornerbacks, they don't have a lead cornerback to me that can match up with Devontae Adams one-on-one. They're going to have to double-team him, and that's going to leave Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro and Matt Collins getting some opportunities on the outside. Well, let's switch to the offense now for the Steelers. The quarterback position, of course, Ben Roethlisberger gone, retired. Um, They, of course, drafted Kenny Pickett, who's been up and down, has played this year. Uh, Mitch Trubisky, who never attained uh, his value as far as being a high first-round draft pick. Uh, Mason Rudolph also there still as well in Pittsburgh. Looking at that offense, Najee Harris, you talked about the running back, good player. The offensive line for the Steelers seems to be up and down. They seem to be having some issues there as well, like the Raiders are. What are the Raiders' defense going to be looking at? The defense of the Raiders, we talked about the last show, as maligned as it has been, and yes, it's imperfect, giving up late drives and so on. But again, if five games, the Raiders' defense has only given up 21 points once and not given up more than 17 four times. Uh, What does that matchup look like between the Raiders defensively and the Pittsburgh Steelers offensively? Now, you brought those numbers in a previous show saying the Raiders' defense is not as bad as a lot of people think it is, and I and I agree with you there. And I think the Raiders' defense should be able to handle the Steelers' offense because it's not explosive. You started with uh, talking about Kenny Pickett. He missed last week, and Mitch Trubisky was in against the Panthers, but that was the Panthers. Kenny Pickett, as you mentioned, up and down. I believe he's, he has four touchdown passes and eight interceptions. Mm-hmm. 
Now he can move the ball down the field with his with his playmakers. He has Deontay Johnson outside. His Pat Fryer moved at tight end. He has George Pickens at wide receiver, the rookie uh, second rounder. But with Kenny Pickett, he is still on the job. He's still learning how to be a, a NFL starting quarterback. So I think the Raiders, if they can get some pressure on him, now he can move, so you have to count for him and his legs. But if they can get some pressure on him, they can force him to make some error throws. I believe guys like Deron Harmon, maybe Trayvon Merrick turns the corner. Those guys can force some turnovers if they can hang on to some interceptions on the back end because Kenny Pickett is going to make some mistakes. The strength of the Steelers right now is they were able to get their run game back going with Najee mm-hmm. Harris over the past few weeks. Now, if they bottle him up and they force Kenny Pickett to beat them, I think the Raiders would take that any day of the week. Well, and that that's what concerns me, though, is if you look at last week against the Patriots, Patriots offense, too, is not uh, lighting mm-hmm. the, the world on fire either, but <laughs> they were able to run the ball huge big time and to me that's i I see some similarities between the steelers and the patriots and how their offenses are running they're not consistent in passing the ball but they can run the ball effectively and if the raiders um are doing that this could be another close especially with the weather close low scoring game is what i expect it to be i mean the steelers ran for 154 yards plus in two of the last three so yeah they're they're able to go downhill. So this cold weather game is to me is going to be a battle of which team gets their running game going and and how do they play off of the of the run game. As I mentioned, the Raiders can use play action off of that and get Devontae Adams and Mac Hollins and Hunter Renfro and Darren Wall and all those guys involved. If they can attack with with some balance, I think the Raiders should I don't want to say run away with the game, but they should be able to handle the Steelers on the road. Yeah, and 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 the other issue besides the cold is the wind. The wind initially was not; it's going to be windy, but not extremely windy. But now the weather reports continue to change as this big storm gets ready to to wallop the Midwest and the Eastern Seaboard uh, over the Christmas weekend. And so, if that wind kicks up, Mo, then to me, this is the kind of game uh, we saw. Remember last year in Cleveland with the Raiders, with the rain and the wind. Uh, and and it came it came, really came down to running the ball, some key plays and turnovers. I think that's going to be another issue here. Is the Raiders' defense is going to be ha- has going to have to try to get a takeaway here or there, and the Raiders' offense you can't afford to put the ball on the ground or or to to throw a pick in this one against the Steelers. Now I know Derek Carr threw a pick six in the last game against the Patriots, but looking at the entire season, the Raiders have been pretty good. I believe while you were out, I pointed this out that mm-hmm. even though the Raiders are the most, one of the most penalized teams in the league, they have one of the fewest turnovers. They don't turn the ball over very much. The Raiders. They're, they're way at the bottom of the league when it comes to turnovers. So they've, they've done a good job of protecting the football and Josh McDaniels is harping at during the offseason. So I think when it comes down to the turnover battle, the Raiders had the edge there because you're, you're comparing, not comparing, but you're matching up a, a nine-year quarterback. Again, I know Derek Hart threw the pick six, and everyone's focused on that. But Kenny Pickett, eight interceptions, four TDs. He's going to make some mistakes. If you get yeah. a little pressure on him, he is going to give you a chance to intercept that football. And I think the Raiders just have to pounce on those opportunities. And if they do, they'll be able to blow the game open. Yes, yes. And I, I here's my prediction, Mo. I'm going to predict... And, and this is goes against my better judgment. <laughs> I'm going to predict the Raiders 17-13 over the Steelers. So it's going to be low-scoring game again. And I know people are going to laugh and say, you think they're going to hold the Steelers to 13 points? And I say, yes, they will. Because the last four games, four out of five, they've held teams to 17 or less. And the, and the Steelers are not very good on offense right now. So uh, even if they run the ball effectively, 
uh, and gain some yards, if they 150 yards, whatever, I still think the Raiders could keep it because I th- I don't think the, the the Steelers are going to be able to pass the ball as effectively as they would like. One thing I will say that you mentioned the win, right? Mm-hmm. The Raiders are going to have to be efficient in the red zone because oh. I don't think they're going to be kicking 55-yard field goals in those <laughs> conditions. So either team. So both teams are going to have to be really good at once they get inside the 20. And, you know, to, to the Raiders' credit, they they converted. I believe I wrote about this. Matt Collins had that five-yard TD catch mm-hmm. inside the 20. So we'll see where the Raiders are as far as the red zone is concerned. I'll, I'll say Raiders win 21-17. 21-17. Okay, so you're in the and, same range I am as far as the right. scoring, about the same. Yeah, about the same. So notice what I, about that score. No field goals for the Raiders. I, I, I feel like they have to score touchdowns. So they score three touchdowns. The Steelers score two touchdowns and kick a field goal up close, maybe out of, you know, from 25, 30 yards out. Yeah. And by the way, kicking the ball in a temperature like that, that thing is like a rock. Yes. So yes. not only if you have the wind blowing it, but man, that that's that's a tough kick. It's a tough mm-hmm. kick. So that's why I only got them having one field goal. All right. So there you go. We both picking the Raiders in this one uh, on Christmas Eve. All right, Mo, you ready? You ready for um, my uh, my my pros here? Are you ready for Twas the Night Before Raider Nation Christmas? I wish I had my silver and black you know, Christmas hat or something like that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot all about it. I would have put it on and got in the mood for this. Oh, know? well, I'm, I, I got some music for you, though. <laughs> we're going we're gonna, to put it on. There we go. This course is Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairy. For those of you who are into the Nutcracker. Anyway, just for background music. All right, so here we go, Raider Nation. Get your cocoa, your coffee, your drink, whatever you're drinking. All right. Twas the night before Raiders Christmas, when all through Allegiant Stadium, not a playoff berth was stirring, not even a wild card chance. The silver and black helmets were hung by the locker with care in the hopes that St. Al Davis soon would be there. The Raiders players were all nestled and snug in their beds while visions of Lombardi trophies danced in their heads and Mark Davis in his white jeans eating chicken wings, Coach McDaniels in his visor, and GM Ziegler on the phone had just settled their brains finally looking for some O-line help. When out on the roof there rose such a clatter, I sprang from the press box to see what was the matter. Away to the window I flew like a flash, tore open the shutter and threw up the sash. The moon on the sparkling lights of the strip gave a luster of midday to objects below. When what to my wondering eyes should appear but a long black Cadillac with bright chrome wheels and a shield on the hood and eight Raiders greats riding in tow. With a little old driver so lively and quick, I knew in a moment it must be St. Al. More rapid than eagles in his Fleetwood, it came, and he winked and shouted and called them by name. Now Gannon, now Stabler, now Long and Jackson on Branch, Owen Brown, on Blanda and Casper. To the top of the goalpost, to the top of the goalpost he went, to the top of the wall. Now dash away, dash away, dash away all. As dry leaves that before the desert wind fly, when they meet with an obstacle, mount to the sky. So up to the Death Star the coursers they flew, 
with a caddy full of Raider greats and Al Davis too. And then in a twinkling, I heard on the translucent roof the running and pounding of each Raider greats shoes. As I drew my head around, turning quickly, down through the lanai door, St. Al Davis came with a bound. He was all dressed in black from his head to his foot, and his clothes were all crisp, clean, and there was not a sign of soot. A bundle of draft cards, free agent contracts flung on his back, and he looked like a football maverick just opening his pack. His silver sunglasses, oh, how they twinkled. His snarl, how scary his cheeks were chiseled. His nose sniffing for talent. His scrawling mouth was drawn up like a warrior, and the gait of his walk meant business. The stump of a pen he held tight in his teeth, and the notes about speed and agility encircled his head like a wreath. He had an air of excellence and a steely resolve that shook the rest of the league as they figured out how to solve. He was commanding and focused and forthright leader with guts, and I nodded when I saw him in awe of the sight. A wink of his eye and a twist of his head soon gave me to know I had nothing to dread. He spoke not a word, but went straight to his work and filled all the lockers, then turned with a jerk, and laying his finger aside his nose and giving a nod of the grandstands, he rose. He sprang to his caddy to his team, gave a whistle, and away they all flew like the down of a thistle. But I heard him explain, ere he drove out of sight, Merry Christmas to all, and to all in Raider Nation, a good night, and remember, just win, baby. All right, there you go. Merry Christmas. Thanks for... Uh... See, there you go. <laughs> what other Raiders show gives you a Raider-specific Christmas, Christmas guy like we do? I, I'm telling you, see? See? Now, I won't sing to them because then they would never listen again. But, um, yeah, we, well, I, I, you know, I did that several years ago, and I just decided that I'm going to do it for forever until yeah. I don't do the show anymore. Yeah. But anyway, we have fun with it. And um, one of these days, I'll be able to change it to where it's about a playoff win or something. But uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it works out good. But, but Mo, I think that, you know, the, you, the Raiders going, it's always special when your team plays on a holiday, right? Because everybody's home. Mm -hmm. You're with loved ones. You're with family. You get to watch your team. Now, I'm hoping the Raiders do win because, you know, to be able to go to bed on Christmas Eve or into Christmas morning for some folks, depending where you're at, uh, is a lot better uh, than having to go to bed for Christmas and your team lost. Especially if one of your Christmas gifts is the jersey of a person who makes a mistake. <laughs> so can you imagine <laughs> Mac Hollis jersey and he fumbled on the two yard line. And oh my goodness, son! Here's your Jesus. yeah, son. Here's your Trayvon Mooring jersey. Oh no, he gave up four touchdowns. Yeah, no, exactly. That's true. That's true. But it's interesting too because I was I was talking I was talking at work today in the office about being when I was a kid. Like what are like what were you about as a kid for Christmas? Like what did when you wanted the gift at Christmas? What was it? And for me and a couple of the other folks there, some guys, it was trucks or it was cars or it was whatever. And I was always sports stuff, right? I used to get mm -hmm. back in the day when they had the JCPenney and the Sears catalog, you could get the NFL sets with the helmet and the jersey. That was always on my Christmas list. And then any kind of ball. You give me a basketball, you give me a football, you give me baseball, um, all that stuff. What, what, was, what was it for you? Like, what would you want so bad as a kid uh, there in, in New York City uh, for Christmas? 
So just like you, it was some type of basketball, football, some type of item for sports. And I grew up in the 90s, so I grew up in Super Nintendo. Oh, and yeah. Of, of course, Madden usually comes out in August, but I'm not <laughs> old enough to buy Madden as soon as it comes out. So I would have to wait till <laughs> Christmas to get my copy of Madden. So I would always uh, wait for, you know, the Madden. My my aunt used to wrap up my gifts and, and do a little like, you know, how you do Easter egg hunting for Easter. She would do that with my Christmas gifts. So I would uh, find my Madden video game, my NBA Live video game. And I used to, not, I wasn't a big Jersey guy, but a couple of years I had, a, I had a couple of jerseys. I do have a Jerry Rice Raiders jersey hanging in my Ooh. closet to this day. I also have a, a personalized jersey with my last name on it hanging also in my closet. Maybe I'll bring those out eventually. Who knows? But um, Yeah, that's some background it, material there, brother. Yeah, yes, definitely. So it was jerseys, anything dealing with sports and video games were my big thing on Christmas. It was the number one thing I was looking for, especially that Madden copy. Yeah, video games. But if I tell you what video games I was bought, I was asking for, it'll age me. Uh, but yeah, no, <laughs> Super Nintendo, uh, yep. absolutely. I mean, and that was funny too. So I had somebody say, you know, my Christmas music was Super Mario Brothers. Ding, 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 ding. Mm -hmm. You know, it was like mm -hmm. all that stuff. And I remember getting even a Game Boy, right? That was right. a big deal too. So yeah, it's it's fun. And and it's always such a great time of the year. And and again, for me, it's it's mostly... Uh, about family and and being together my son my my daughter home everybody's here so the whole family's here which is awesome and i know your uh, family is gathering yeah. around too and and all of everybody out there in raider nation hope you have a wonderful christmas and mo we're gonna you, you gotta work of course on saturday and so, you're working sunday too right working a little bit on sunday more so yeah. on saturday because that's the big nfl day there are yeah. some, let me just say there are some bad nfl christmas games there after are. after that dolphins packers game yeah you're getting some you're getting the broncos and the rams both those teams are eliminated yeah you're getting the buccaneers who are struggling against the cardinals <laughs> i believe without the I mean, quarterback. without without the quarterback they're in a third string quarterback so yeah it, after the raider game on christmas eve just enjoy yourself and your family don't even bother yeah. don't even bother with the christmas games because they're not worth it that's right. Absolutely. And so we're we're going to be away uh, until next week. I may end up dropping something after the game or something. We'll see, uh, depending if Santa's hit our house yet. Uh, but but none but nonetheless, if not, we will be back on Tuesday uh, for another edition of the show here, uh, and we'll of course get into a game breakdown and let you know uh, our thoughts on how the Raiders and Steelers went down. Mo, have a wonderful Christmas, my friend, and we will talk to you next week. Absolutely. Happy holidays to you and your family and everyone listening. Raider Nation that have helped us on this network to be the number three podcast on the network. So we thank you and we're thankful. Yes, for everything we are. That you do for us. We are thankful. And next week we'll be able to uh, kind of wrap up the year, which, of course, uh, since Odyssey launched this NFL network of podcasts this this summer. Uh, the year will come to a close and and yeah we've we've reached numbers that we never thought we would and so we are incredibly thankful and feel blessed that you guys all support us and thank you thank you thank you for that uh, all right we're gonna take off and i want to wish you and yours again a merry christmas if you don't celebrate christmas happy holidays i know you'll still get to spend some time with your family happy hanukkah to those out there who celebrate it as well for all of us here including our producer and correspondent david stepanian mo moton i am scott Colbranson. merry christmas raider nation have fun enjoy the game on christmas eve and we will talk to you next week